You've heard the headlines. Get some perspective now with Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Yeah, I think we could all use a little perspective this morning when it comes to some of the bombshell interviews that a close associate of uh, personal lawyer Rudy Giuliani is giving today. The lead. Yeah, that close associate of President Donald Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, is claiming that Trump was directly involved in the effort to pressure Ukraine to investigate Democratic rival Joe Biden. Lev Parnes says he delivered an ultimatum in May at Giuliani's behest to the incoming president of Ukraine that no senior U.S. official would attend his inauguration and vital American security aid would be withheld if an investigation into Biden wasn't announced. Yeah, you're going to hear behind us right now uh, a little bit of the auctioneering going on. We are live out at Barrett Jackson. And as this starts to get underway in the Senate, we are going to have the trial for President Donald Trump starting to get underway. I've got Barry Markson with me here today as Bruce St. James is off all week long. And Barry, there is a lot to unpack this morning as last night... Lev Parnas, which is not a household name, but is, I think, becoming more of one as people become familiar with who he is. He is a close associate of Rudy Giuliani, who has been indicted in New York. And he gave two pretty explosive interviews last night, one with Rachel Maddow and one with Anderson Cooper, where he drew a pretty direct line between what was happening in Ukraine, the investigation into the Bidens, and the President of the United States. Yeah, Les Parnas was, he was right in the middle of this thing. He was uh, Rudy Giuliani's right-hand man. He was, some people call him his bag man, but he was right there. He was in these meetings. He's talking to the President. He's talking to Rudy Giuliani. And really implicated not just President Trump in, in what was happening and, and that he had direct knowledge, which is contrary to uh, statements the president has made, but also that Mike Pence had direct knowledge, that William Barr, the attorney general, had direct knowledge. Uh, this is the, these people, the, the information we've received from other witnesses, Les Par- Lev Parnas just confirmed all that, and he was in the room. Yeah, so you know what? Um, Lev Parnas says he and Rudy Giuliani were always working in the best interests of the president as a citizen. Yeah, and there's, there's that. that. He doesn't represent wherever we went. He said, I don't represent the government. I represent the president of the United States. So anything Rudy Giuliani wanted the government of Ukraine to do, that wasn't official U.S. policy. That was a personal benefit to the president of the United States. Well, you know, when I was doing it, I thought it was all in the same but obviously now, as I could see, the, the, with the situation the way it is, I mean, it was strictly for him. But again, I thought he was the our leader. He's the chief. He's the president. And it was all about 2020 to make sure he had another four years. Now, Barry, if this is true, okay, if this is true, because, again, Parnas is being indicted, and so the credibility of him can be called into question. doesn't mean he's lying, but it means it can be called into question. It would undercut a key Republican defense of the president during the impeachment investigation, and that Trump's withholding of that military aid to Ukraine last summer wasn't a quid pro quo for the Biden investigation. Yeah, and there have been other there have been other witnesses who work in the Trump administration, including uh, Gordon Sunderland, Sunderland. I mean, the, 
the president's own people who have said, yes, there was quid pro quo. Mick Mulvaney, the president's chief of staff, went on national television and said, of course there was quid pro quo. We do that all the time. Uh, th- this is, you know, it, it's interesting. We, we call it a, an undercutting of the, of the Republicans' defenses. But really what this is, is it's direct evidence mm-hmm. of wrongdoing. That's mm-hmm. what this is. And, and it's no longer hearsay. It's no longer, uh, you know, non-direct evidence. This guy was in the room. He was the one carrying out the orders of the president's personal attorney and the president himself. Well, that word, that word that we've heard so much over the last, oh gosh, what, four months or so, quid pro quo, whatever, um, it, it's obviously surfacing again. And Parnes, in these interviews, made it clear that there was a quid pro quo. Well, if they didn't make the announcement, basically, there would be no relationship, not just, it was no specific military, there was no aid that was going to be assisted, there was going to be no inauguration, Pence wouldn't be at the inauguration, and there would be no visit to the White House, there would be basically, they would have no communication. Now, you know, to be fair here, we have heard from the White House this morning releasing a statement saying this isn't true. You've had Rudy Giuliani that have called Parnas' statements sad, saying in a text message to an AP reporter, I feel sorry for him. I thought he was an honorable man. I was wrong. Asked directly if Parnas was lying. Trump's lawyer replied, I'm not responding yet. Yeah, and and the vice president's chief of staff, Mike Pence's chief of staff, came out this morning and said this guy's under indictment. You know, you can't really trust him. I mean, the fact is that this is a, that's what they're going to do. That's what anybody's going to say. But he's in the room. We have pictures of him and Rudy uh, and and the president all over the place. He's he's a donor. He's been charged with crimes that are related to what's happening here. This is you know you can you he was on TV yesterday. You can decide his credibility for yourself. But the fact is he's not saying things that are inconsistent with. Other other testimony and other evidence. Everything he's saying is consistent with what we've heard before. Okay, a couple things there that uh, I want to unpack a little bit more. When you talk about, you know, there are pictures of the two of them. Uh, you know, the president has been asked about this in the past, and President Donald Trump has denied knowing Lev Parnas. I don't know those gentlemen. Now, it's possible I have a picture with them because I have a picture with everybody. I don't know them. Yeah, so this is where I think the testimony becomes critical for the Senate. Now, whether or not they're going to call witnesses, I think that there's new evidence that apparently the House Intelligence Committee recently got within like the last week or two. This is not something that they were sitting on and and waiting to drop. This was information that recently came out to them. And so it's kind of coming in real time from them to us. Um, But... You're an attorney. Again, as this is Barry Markson. He's in all week for Bruce St. James, and, and you're an attorney that's your, like, you know, your day job. And I'm wondering from you, we've got Lev Parnas, who is, has been indicted in the Southern District in New York, and his credibility is being called into question, kind of like Michael Cohen's credibility. You know, he was indicted. How can you entrust somebody who's right. been indicted? But what benefit? If, you, if you're if you his attorney, do you allow him no. to go on television and talk to Rachel Maddow and Anderson Cooper? Like, how does that benefit him? It, it doesn't. And, you know, it's funny. The Rachel Maddow interview, I know they, they insisted that his attorney be there. I, I don't know that the attorney said anything. I watched some of the interview last night. But you don't do that. And, by the way, these types of statements, if you want to benefit yourself, you go to the prosecutors and say, I'll roll over 
over and give you evidence if you reduce my sentence. And then or, you kind of disappear and shut up, right? Right. But but that's not what's happening here. He's going public with it. That's not helping him. He's giving them information for free. Why do you think so he's doing that then? I, I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's had a change of heart. Maybe he's his defense is basically, look, I was following the direction of the president of the United States. I didn't think what I was doing was illegal. I was following the direction, in essence, an order from the president. That's how he looked at it. And and I, I, I want to say this, Pamela, you, and I'm sorry, we didn't know this until just now I'm looking at it, but breaking news, um, according to the uh, the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, the White House, they're finding, uh, they just issued a report this morning, that the White House violated federal law in its hold on security aid to Ukraine last year. They're saying this is against the law. What the president, what the Trump administration did is against the law, according to the government itself. Barry, does this feel different to you? Does yeah. the momentum that... And when I say momentum, I'm not saying positive in one way or another. I'm just saying, as a journalist by trade, you, there are stories that happen in your career where they start off as something and then they kind of fizzle. We talk about the news cycle all the time and how quickly it changes. And who knows what we're going to be talking about a week from now when the Senate is expected to start their trial. But this story, I mean, it, it dropped yesterday morning. I mean, you and I both came into the station and really started digging into what these documents, these text messages, these these handwritten notes that were part of this, like, you know, almost 60-page document dump that the House Intelligence Committee gave. And you start to see this kind of spread out through the day. And then you had those two interviews last night. And the momentum you're hearing this morning and how that could potentially impact what is about to take place in the U.S. Senate, I'm, I'm feeling a different kind of momentum that wasn't there, I mean, a week ago. Yeah, I, I don't know if it changes the outcome of the trial in the Senate. Uh, but what, I don't know if this would. Right, but the, but the momentum you're talking about is there. And this is what happened with President Nixon. I mean, if you go back to the early mm-hmm. 70s, it, up until his resignation, the polling was for Nixon was stronger for in favor of Nixon was stronger than it is for President Trump right now. Republicans were standing by him and saying, I'm not going to vote to impeach the president or to remove the President Nixon from office. But the momentum and the just the continual onslaught of more and more evidence. And at some point, Barry Goldwater and some other leading Republicans went to President Nixon, went to the White House and said, you have to you're resign because you're going to lose. And and that's this is amazing that the GAO came out. Here's the quote. Faithful execution of the law does not permit the president to substitute his own policy priorities for those that Congress has enacted into law. And he said the OMB withheld funds for a policy reason which is not permitted under the Impoundment Control Act. It's against, What they did was against the law. So for people who are saying there's no crime, there's no impropriety, the government's own accounting office is saying, yes, there was. This is illegal. It, it just it just feels different. I can't quite put my thumb on it quite yet, but, but it feels different. And how does this impact the upcoming impeachment trial, does it? We're going to kind of dive into those angles and explore them a little further. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Pamela Hughes and Barry Markson out at Barrett Jackson today. You're making your way out here. Please stop by and say hi. We'd love to meet you. And right now, though, we're, we're still diving into the very latest in these bombshell interviews that uh, Les, Lev Parnas gave last night. But more importantly, Barry, I, I think what is happening today, as you have, you know, uh, Chief Justice Roberts go to the Senate, swear in 100 senators for the trial of President Donald Trump, 
I mean, that's a big day. That's an historic day in yeah. this country. And we've been talking for you know the last few weeks as to the rules. What are the Senate rules going to be when it comes to the trial of the president? And witnesses have been a big sticking point. Obviously, Democrats want witnesses. The Republicans say, well, you know, if you want witnesses, we want witnesses, which seems fair to me. But it seems as though there are there are maybe more Republicans willing to willing to peel off from their party and just say, hey, you know what? We, we want to hear what's going on. We want the facts in order to make the best decision possible. And I think that the bombshell interview that Lev Parnas gave last night is going to bolster that argument for more witnesses. Last week or the week before, I can't keep it straight anymore, um, John Bolton had come out and said that if he was subpoenaed by the Senate, he would testify. And last night... Um, Lev Parnas said that he would be he would agree to to testify as well. But he also said that not everyone agreed with what was going on with the president. Uh, Bolton, I don't think, agreed with it. I think uh, there's certain people that agreed with it and didn't agree with it. He called it a drug deal, according to Fiona Hill. I think Bolton is a very important (laughs) witness because I think between me and Bolton, we could fit in all the dots, I think, uh, because I was on the ground there and he was over here. And you'd be willing to testify? I would be very willing to testify. How interesting would that be uh, to, to have Love Parnas and John Bolton fill in the dots? And when I say fill in the yeah. dots, with whatever picture they paint, I don't know what they're going to say. And everybody who thinks that John Bolton is going right. to be, you know, uh, a win for the Democrats, this is like a, a Republican through and through. Um, he may not have liked what was, was going on, but I don't think we know what he would say. But no. to get get the picture clearer, I think, is what everybody is looking for. Yeah, and I agree with you. You, you don't know what John Bolton's no. going to say. And, and whether it be positive or negative for the president, but it would be information. And and this is this impeachment is really different than any other. Not that we've had that many of these, but if you look in the last you know fifty years between Nixon and then Clinton, in those impeachments, the White House, I, I'm not saying they fully always 100 percent cooperated, but they gave, they turned over documents that were requested. Yeah. This White House refuses to do so. They let witnesses testify. This White House refuses to do so. Nixon fought. He he claimed executive privilege. He fired people in the Justice Department. It, it isn't as if he just wanted let them do whatever they wanted. But there was nowhere near the level of obstruction that we're seeing from this this White House with President Trump. And the question you have to keep asking is, if nothing was wrong, if nothing was done improperly, why not just let your people testify? I think that's a question a lot of people have been asking. And when we talk about how this particular story has somewhat snowballed. And by this particular story, I'm talking about the text messages and the documents and Lev Parnas, which is a name that people are becoming more familiar with, but I don't assume everybody knows who that is, but it's a close associate of Rudy Giuliani. So you've got like Lev Parnas here, who's associated with Rudy Giuliani. And Rudy Giuliani is the personal attorney for the president of the United States. That's where you're kind of connecting some of those dots. But we've got the government accounting office who has just come out and said... That the way the Ukraine military aid was handled was illegal. Yeah, that came out you know 24 hours after the document dump, so to speak. And then also, what we're finding out um, in this latest interview with Lev Parnas is about the the surveillance or uh, the alleged surveillance, I guess you could say, of the former Ukrainian ambassador Yovanovitch. Now, you may remember seeing her in some of the House testimony where she said that she was afraid. That yeah. she she really felt like her life was in jeopardy at certain periods of time, and somebody said that you know they, they would take care of her. But we find out 
in these text messages for a couple of individuals involved that she apparently was surveilled and that people were watching her and knew when she had her phone up, knew when she put her phone down. I mean, it was real world time, timing of what she was doing. But in the interview last night with Lev Parnas, he says text messages showed that there was surveillance of the ambassador and he addressed that in the interviews. I don't believe it's true. I think he was either drunk or he's uh, was trying to make himself bigger than it was. So I didn't take it seriously. And I was trying to, if you see, I didn't even respond to him most of the time. And if I did, it was like something like LOL or OK or great. Are you clear on whether or not there was ever an actual physical threat or a threat of personal intimidation against Ambassador Yovanovitch? Never from my side or anybody I know. You didn't worry that she was actually in Never. physical danger? Never. So this, to me, really helps his credibility because he's not throughout the interviews. He he isn't going to the most extreme part all the time. He isn't trying to make the the Democrats case or whatever it is. He's saying things that are not necessarily uh, what some people were hoping they would be. It it seemed to me he was pretty credible. He seems to me a guy who's been caught, who knows he's in trouble. And at this point, he's just saying, I'm going to be honest to everybody and just with everybody and go from there. But we also have the country of Ukraine that has now opened an investigation into whether or not she was there was surveillance right. conducted on her while yeah. she was an ambassador there. It'll be interesting to see if the State Department does the same thing, because right. if Ukraine's going to investigate, don't you think that the United States should as well? I think they should. And, and you, know, you, you talked about uh, Chief Justice John Roberts is going to swear in the senators uh, this afternoon about one o'clock, uh, uh, actually this morning in Arizona, I think. Um, and and if, you, if you think about it, if this is a real trial, if it's a real investigation into what's happening here, wouldn't everybody want to call Lev Parnas as a witness right away? Wouldn't everybody call John Bolton as a witness right away? Uh, we're continuing to follow for it. Follow you. Follow it for you, <laughs> rather. Yes. Uh, you know what? You may have thought that your divorce was bad. Yeah, just wait. Uh, this guy wants a judge to give him permission to battle his ex-wife with a sword. <laughs> What's going on? We'll explain next here on KTAR. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Yeah, I've got Barry Markson with me out here as Bruce is off all week. We are coming to you live from the Barrett-Jackson car auction and with over 1,900 cars on the docket for this auction, Barry. This is the largest event in the company's history. So, super cool cars out here. I even saw the uh, the, the real replica of Lightning McQueen. Yeah, that was my favorite. I got to take a picture yeah. of that and give that to Riley because she is a huge uh, ka-chow kind yeah. of fan. We, out there. I come out here with the kids uh, every every year. We come on on Sunday at the mm-hmm. end. It's not the big day or anything, but the kids love it and they, they love seeing the auction. But we walk around the cars and it's oh, those yeah. those kind of cars is what they love. Right? Absolutely, they, they love seeing the old Cadillacs that they converted with a limp with, with a, uh, a jacuzzi in the back. Or they, I mean, those are the cars that the kids love and it's it's fun. Those it's are the cars place. I love. I mean, let's be real here. Uh, yeah. So so yeah, we are out here at Barrett Jackson. If you're heading out this way, stop on by and say hi. But uh, you know what? I think, I think Barry, I've got my nomination for the uh, Weirdo of the Week. Oh, yes. This is the Weirdo of the Week. Don't forget, and, don't forget we have one more show tomorrow. Oh, you know what? You announce that. Okay, maybe it's a little premature, but let's <laughs> go with it anyway. Uh, you would think that this next story starts with a Florida man, but no, it doesn't. It's actually a guy from Iowa, and his name is David. 
And David is none too happy with his ex-wife. I mean, like, hello, when you're getting into, like, the divorce proceedings right now, they're they're far, they're they're fighting over property taxes. They're fighting over custody, which is super important, you can imagine. But he's had enough. He says he's been destroyed legally by his ex-wife and her attorney. So now he wants to take them on in a different kind of battle. May I enter into the fray? Sword fighting. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he's he wants to do combat uh, uh, battle by combat. He he wants to have a sword fight with his with his ex wife and his and the attorney. When you say like battle by combat, I mean this is something that that happened in Japan back in the day. Yeah. And when he says, you know what, it was most recently used. We've used this recently. <laughs> yeah, he's got to go back over two hundred years since this happened recently. Yeah. He's been watching a lot of Game of Thrones. He's I a huge think, fan. Is going no, on. he yeah. is a huge fan. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But he he says he wants to he wants to uh, put down the pens and the and the typewriters, oh, and the computers, the typewriters. And he, and he bra- <laughs> yeah, that was the last two hundred years ago. It was the last time it's, we used those too. It's my Joe Biden moment. Oh, so, yeah. he, but he wants to put all that down, and he wants to he wants to fight, and he, and he's not saying it in an overly violent way. It's not like he's saying I want a sword fight. What I, do you think I, is going to happen? What they're just going to like ting ting. But no. He, he put it in legal documents. I mean, he's saying it's like he's. I'm not here to kill anybody, but I just I'd rather fight out this way than than the legal way because I've been legally destroyed. Okay, so we're talking about the legal documents here, and Barry Markson again joining us so all week bad. long as Bruce St. James is out. Barry is an attorney by by trade. That's his his day job, and so I found this aspect of the story hilarious because not only has this weirdo of the week uh, petitioned the court to allow him to. Take on his ex-wife in a sword fight. Yes, yeah. words I never thought he'd be putting together in a sentence. Um, but he's also wanting to take on the attorney as well because that attorney, her attorney, she said he good. says destroyed him as well. So on the field of battle. So instead of instead of like rend, actually, he wants, to, he wants to rend their souls. Yeah, well, they have souls. I don't know if they're ready for them to be rending. Rend or, yeah. Okay. So. But the attorney, you know how, do you know how her attorney responded? Yes. By correcting his spelling in the court filing. <laughs> this guy is brilliant. I say that the ex-wife should say, sure, I'll take you on. You have your sword. I'm coming with my double-barrel shotgun, and I got 10 paces. We'll see who wins this. Oh, oh, we'll man. see who wins this. Oh, it's a, it's, already, it's enough. He's, he's been legally destroyed. He wants to rend their souls from their corporal bodies. It's fantastic. You sound like you're representing them oh, right now. Oh, it's so it's – so, uh, it, divorce is so awful. It's just so awful for these folks, and I feel I just feel bad for everybody. It's you know a, who I feel bad, bad for thing. the most? Yeah. The kids, because obviously yeah. this is about a custody hearing as well. And, and, you know, people will battle for their kids. I mean, Mama Bear – right here. I've got a 10-year-old, and believe me, um, I will fight to the death for her. And that's kind of where I think he's coming from, but going about it entirely all wrong. I mean, like, he wants 12 weeks. He's actually told the judge he wants 12 weeks so that he can have swords made. (laughs) Not one, but two. And so this attorney, her attorney, that not only is questioning his spelling, he's also questioning his mental state, asking the judge to suspend the visitation rights yeah. and order him to get a psychological evaluation. See, I thought he was doing it kind of tongue-in-cheek, and, and I thought it was good that there was a little bit of humor being injected you into this You think this is humor? I, is, I is, think wait, so. is, is, is the court of law the place for humor? Yes. There's actually more humor in it than you might think. Really? If you're a good writer, I don't think, you like, do you know, attorneys are all that funny. No offense. Uh, 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 <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think attorney, I don't think humor. I don't think stand-up comedy. I think, like, you guys are pretty straight-laced, oh. and this is a court of law, yeah, you gotta, and so you need to be serious. you got to hang out with different attorneys. Maybe, that's, uh, that's maybe. Some, she, God. I was, well, was going to say, there's some funny attorneys in North, in North Carolina. 
Oh yeah, tell us what they're doing. So in North Carolina, North in North Carolina, it's one of seven states in there in the country uh, where you can, in essence, you can sue. Uh, the person that's having an affair with your spouse. So if you're a woman, if you're a man and your wife is having an affair with another guy, you can sue the other man and win. And, and win. These are laws, huh? And they okay. do this. So this this just happened. Uh, there was a case in North Carolina. There's about 20 of these a year, apparently, uh, where a husband uh, sued the par- his wife's paramour. Um, Param- okay. Do you like that? Yeah. Break that. Off. If I say typewriter, I can say paramour. Yeah, there you go. So they, wow. <laughs> they brought- is there an apothecary somewhere? Are we going to go to the Aberdash or something? Thing. Yeah. So what happened was they started having an affair. The husband found out about it. He tried to win the wife back. It didn't happen. And he sued the guy. And you can do it under a couple of ways in in, uh, in North Carolina. One is called criminal conversation. And criminal conversation is from the 1800s when we didn't want to <laughs> say back to the 1800s. We didn't want to say we didn't want to say sex and we didn't want to say adultery. Uh, so they called it criminal conversation. It's adultery conversation. And, and uh, alienation of affection. And this guy, the, the court awarded him seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, Pamela. Wow. $750,000. Okay, okay, so, so what have we learned from this? We've learned, don't mess with married people. Yes. Okay? All right? You you, you could be out a, a ton of cash here. And also, leave the swords for the Game of Thrones. <laughs> okay? Even the Game of Thrones determined that this was too brutal. All right? Not going to happen in 2020. Hi. 1818 called. They want their <laughs> combat trial back. <laughs> combat by battle. Oh, by my combat. goodness. All I right. Hey, uh, you know what a lot of people are combating right now? The flu. Yes. Yeah, it is bad. It's going on here in Arizona. And you know what? It's actually, we're hearing, expected to be worse this year. But for reasons you may have never even considered. I know I didn't. We're diving into that here at Barrett Jackson. Barry Marks and Pamela Hughes here today, and we're coming up back here on KTAR. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. And we are live out here at Barrett Jackson. The car auction going on all weekend long. Barry Markson in for Bruce St. James all week as he is on vacation. Checking out the cool cars here. And if you are heading this way, make sure you swing on by and say hi to us. And Barry, it may be good that we're not back at the station right now. Uh, And and one of the reasons why is because, you know, whether it is... Steve's there. Yeah, well, good luck, Steve. Um... No, I mean, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think it's so bad at the station right now, but I know that at different businesses and and heck schools, the flu is just running rampant. In fact, yesterday I got an email from my daughter's school. I mean, she's in the fourth grade. She's been going to the school for five years. I I don't remember, maybe I didn't see it or read it, but I don't ever remember getting an email from the principal talking about how many kids are, are, are sick at the school, that they've talked to the administration, they're bringing in. Um, extra resources to disinfect common areas at the school, asking parents to, you know, have kids not only wash their hands, but wash their water bottles when they come home, uh, make sure that they're cleaning off their backpacks. I mean, it seems to be kind of like this all hands on deck when it comes to the flu. And you know what? We're getting an update on the situation for the flu right here in Arizona. 
We've had over 8,600 people reported with the flu in Arizona so far this year. We've certainly seen a much earlier increase in the number of cases than we typically see. Jessica Riggler with the Arizona Department of Health Services says now is the time to be extra vigilant. Over 1,500 of those were reported just in the last week. And the surprising thing about this flu season? It's affecting younger people much more frequently than we typically see. So zero to 49-year-olds are much more heavily impacted than normal. And I think one of the reasons why they may be more heavily impacted than normal, Barry, is because of this, something I had never, ever considered. You know what might be driving the flu numbers and people getting sick, at least this year? Full employment. Yeah, well, more people in the offices, right? That's but have why you ever thought of that? No, I hadn't. I hadn't. But, it, but it makes sense if you think about it, right? I mean, kids get sick all the time because yeah. they're in school, they're in class they're with 25 dishes. other kids. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Um, but in, in, uh, th- there's actually studies out now that show this. That as uh, it, the employment numbers increase, the number of people reporting the flu increase, and it's it's pretty bad. So as employment goes up, every 1% that it goes up, uh, the amount of flu reports go up 16%. And right now, because the economy is going so well, uh, we're at what we almost call full employment. But that's about 71.7% of us are working. That's up almost four or five points from where it was around the recession. And each one of those points is a big 16% increase in flu. It's uh, it's out there, Pamela. The killer is there's ways to get around this, yeah. right? You can help yourself and your the people you work with by getting the flu shot. And you get a flu so, shot? Yes, I do. I do, my, too. My office offers it for free. Everybody comes in. We want we want to make everybody uh, healthier and safer. and But not everybody does. And we can't force people. Yeah, but, can't force Bruce. Let me tell you right now. Because oh Bruce St. James, who's on vacation, he's not sick. <laughs> he is on vacation. But uh, we talk about, like, he refuses to get a, a flu shot because he says he's allergic to needles. But uh, guess who got the flu this year? Bruce. Well, of course. Yeah. Got, and I'm like, stay home, dude. Don't come in and infect me. Right. And, and that's the thing. I think that the, the reason why this story in particular is getting out there and there's more conversation about it is because they, they want companies to be more cognizant that if somebody says they're sick or they come to work sick, uh, you think that them being there may save the company in one aspect? Well, the body's there and some of the work is getting done, but it may cost you in another area by getting other people sick yeah. and having more people stay home. I, I used to be, and, and I still am for myself for some extent, I, I used to be of the mindset of, hey, you come in, you work sick, that's work ethic, right? Yeah. Me too. And, That's and how I, I was raised. Yeah, Is that how you were raised? Me too. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I still do that. I don't take sick. I, I don't. I don't even know that I've ever taken a sick day. Seriously? But, yeah. But that. Wow. But that said, I'll come. I have an office. I come in. I go in my office. Close I close the door. The door. I'm, yeah. I'm not touching things. I'm, I'm. I'm very cognizant of it. But if my assistant's sick, if other people in the office are sick, I don't want them there because I don't want to get neither. sick. So I. I totally get that. But t- get the flu shot. It makes. It makes no sense to not get the flu shot. And you're not just helping yourself. You're helping other people. And I will say this. I feel no sympathy for people like Bruce. If you don't get the flu shot and you get the flu, I'll just laugh at you because it, you, you kind of deserve it. I'm telling you, here's the antidote. Take it, and they still don't do it, Pamela. I don't like that. It's, I, it I'm, no I'm not. I'm not. I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't. Uh, I don't like you that either. And uh, you know, I, I was a former manager at KTAR, and I would send people home regularly. You know, you you can't. You can't get other people sick. And we we had a news director once who. Um, figured out who he believed was patient zero because it was just running <laughs> through the newsroom. Yeah. And it was like, okay, wait, this person got sick, then this person, then this person. And he was able to backtrack it and be like, you, you're you the one it. that created yeah. this problem. Oh, it's the worst. And I don't want to be that. And I don't want others to be that. And so by by putting this out there, you know, you have sick days. I have sick sure. days where that's one of our benefits that we have in, in, in this job. Uh, but a lot of people listening right now don't. You know, they work well, in the food 
service industry. And, and and I know that there are other jobs that, that don't offer paid sick leave. But when you're looking at, like, food service, if you've got somebody coming to work sick, yeah. not only are they looking to potentially impact those around them, but... You and I, when we go and we eat, so um, flu, they they expect it to be really bad this year. In fact, peaking in February, it's still going to take a little while. It's going to work its way through. I swear, like, I need a a lotion with me 24-7 because my hands are so dry (laughs) because I'm washing them so much. Well, that's good. That is a good thing. I'm trying to keep everybody safe and myself uh, healthy as well. All right. So... A lot of talk of impeachment, right? You know, the articles sent to the Senate yesterday. We've got Chief Judge uh, Roberts, that Justice Roberts, that's going to be swearing in senators today. This is evolving, okay? But there are nine questions about impeachment that you may have been too afraid to ask. It's okay. We got your cover. We've got answers. We're going to talk through this together, all right? Barry Markson and I out here at Barrett Jackson. We're going to pick that up after the news here on KTIR.